Yes, No Chase Film Society. Welcome, welcome to the destination. Straight talk, unfiltered conversation, inspired by film reviews. And uh, I'm your host, Chris Ali. So welcome, welcome to the No Chase Film Society. And uh, with me today again is my partner in crime, the production extraordinaire, <laughs> Big Derek. What's going on, bro? What's good with you, man? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. Excited about this uh, debut episode. Oh, that's right. Episode one. Yes. I guess I should say that. This is episode one. And, and uh, as you can see in the description, our first movie comes to us from Derek. Uncle Buck, <laughs> Uncle Buck, John Hughes production. So uh, we'll be getting into that a little bit later on in the show. But um, as we do, or as we've done rather since, since uh, our first episode, our Ground Zero episode, uh, we're gonna start off with a little, little bit of a little bit of banter. You know what I mean? Compare a few notes for a few minutes on some stuff that we've seen and we've come across since the last time we talked. I, I will tell you, Derek, man, I did try to watch uh, that Netflix program, that Netflix. I thought it was a movie or something. Oh, The Family. Uh, the family. Yeah, man. But, what, were you uh, think? what were your thoughts on that? I didn't really develop any thoughts on it, man. I, I, I thought it was, it was a movie or a TV show or something. I wasn't expecting, like, the news and shit yeah. like it was a, it was a docu-series uh, yeah. which is cool you know what yeah. I mean I just wasn't prepared for it at that moment so I think I got through like the first five minutes of it but uh, but I mean it, it's supposed to be a uh, docu-series based on the Christian right I imagine right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Well, how so well they're just connected, real, connected just just real quick how'd you how'd that get your attention what led you to that that particular uh, um, actually, Rihanna and I were look was just scrolling through Netflix trying to, trying to see what we, you know, what was new on there and what we wanted to check out. And I initially thought it was a movie too. Um, movie when I saw the title and then I saw those a couple episodes, I'm thinking, oh, it's like a limited series or something. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was uh, that blew me away. That blew me away. She she chose that actually. So. Um, I I I couldn't I couldn't stop watching it to be honest. I wanted to plow right. through it within that that first day. That was that was a good that was a good uh, it's good docu series. I'm trying I'm trying to get more into docu series and and you know documentaries a little more now. Um, right. And that that just that that uh it didn't shock me because like I said uh last week um th- this was. This reminded me more of what the Illuminati uh, really is, more so than what people think it is. You know, people think it's black people selling their souls to, to get rich. That doesn't make any sense to me. So this makes more sense than that does. Um, and I think that's what this would be more so than anything else. And this, this uh, yeah, this is a docuseries that kind of depicts uh, the Christian right and the black hand um, 
secret society type of shit that mm-hmm. they're on. You know, I think in the description I read something about them being known as the Christian Mafia. You know, basically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> basically. Uh, I, I mean, I was interested in checking it out. You know, because I, I remember we discussed it in the last episode, and I wanted to check it out, but I, I just. Maybe it went over my head. I wasn't expecting it to be like really information based shit. So I right. could check it out pretty early. But uh I'll circle back around to it. The family. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 good. It's very informative. But um what else we got? I got a few things I wanna wanna bring up. Okay. Uh, you know, and kinda kinda chop it up with you about there's a YouTube channel. You know, I'm I'm good with giving credit where credit is due. Uh, we mentioned my favorite podcast uh, that I like to listen to that's been real influential uh, for me, The Michelle Mission. Uh, give them another shout out. Also, uh, another independent media outlet, black media outlet that I pay attention to is a channel called Nicole's Views. And uh, okay. it's on YouTube. You can find her. She's been doing a lot of work, man. Um on the Cosby trial and the whole Cosby uh, situation. She's been real, real attentive to um, just the history of how he got into uh, some of these allegations and and just the the history and the background of a lot of the women, the accusers. Um, She's been real thorough. She's been real thorough on, on this whole Cosby hearing. And since he's been convicted, you know, she's actually been very consistent with just keeping the, the uh, I'm going to say the facts, you know, uh, I'm not going to necessarily call it, call what's the truth or not, but I'm going to say the facts, you know, she's been real, real diligent about just keeping Cosby's, you know, uh, keeping Cosby's innocence or proclaiming Cosby's innocence. So um, I just want to throw out there for you, man, just your thoughts on, on some of the things about the Cosby case. And I know, you know, people may wonder what this has to do with uh, Uncle Buck, you know, <laughs> you know, Uncle Buck. <laughs> well, this is, you know, Uncle Buck is the feature, is the feature yeah. film we're talking about. You know, this portion of the, of the show, man, like, you know, people may be wondering what this has to do with film. Yeah, yeah. Film discussion. And, you know, I can easily address that. Uh, um, Bill Cosby is a major figure in film, particularly black film, you know, as a black mm-hmm. uh, actor and a black uh, producer, uh, just a, a man who made a lot of historical ground. He's pretty relevant. He's still relevant. Even though and he's think in about the-, the careers that he's launched. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Cosby's a very relevant figure, which is why uh, this conversation is, 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 is so necessary. So just... I just wanted to throw it out there, you know, your your thoughts and, you know, kind of put it out there for the society to, to also talk about in an expanded conversation. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I, um, for the most part, I try to, um, I try to separate the artist from the art um, for the most part. Now, like Art Kelly, that's just so intertwined with his art with who he is um it's kind of hard to separate that um not to not to not to give uh, not to say that 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 i condone with what 
Cosby's been accused of doing. Um, but I pay attention to his art, and I, I I try not to mix the two. Now the the man himself, if if what's you know been 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 been, been said about him, that's keep him in jail. That's fine. Um, but the art itself was so instrumental in a lot of uh, uh, a lot of people's uh, lives, specifically black people. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, around the time when when the Cosby Show came out and and uh, different world, um, you know, you you have the the rise of you know people having that that pride in HBCUs. You know what I'm saying? And to me, I think that's what was sparked a lot of people to to say, hey, let me go to Morehouse. Let me go to let me go to Spelman, stuff like that. And I credit him for that. I, I do credit him for that. Uh what mm-hmm. he's done for for black people in the community just in general, I, I commend him for it. Um so I, I I personally don't want to say that these accusations um immediately just outweigh those those good things um i still love the cosby show and i don't have a problem right. saying that i still love the show right. um i i i'm really upset that i didn't buy the whole series when i saw it in target for two dollars per season uh <laughs> but <laughs> but but the, the the show is the show is amazing i still love it i'm a big fan of it um a lot of people don't talk about bill cosby's stand-up either um, right. which is kind of shocking right. his stand-up was 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 brilliant um so I, I think i think what he's done overall for for the entertainment uh business for uh the the community with with uh, you know sparking minds to 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 reach for for higher i bro i i can't i can't put, i can't knock him for it you know the, right. the accusations are what they are I'm not even going to to say, you know that that it wasn't it wasn't right for them to come out and, and against him, even though we know it was. Personally, I don't I don't think that a lot of that stuff was true, um, per se. You know, you had you have people coming out saying that he did something, and then all of a sudden take it back and say, "Oh, you know, I lied." So I, you know, in 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 a lot of those situations, there are a couple people that do that, but. That's not to say that he he was not um, doing what he was accused of doing, um, mm-hmm. but I just I just don't like marrying the the person and the art together because right. I enjoy art that that much. You know what I'm saying? Um, there's a lot of artists that if you if you looked at who they were, you're going to you're going to be pissed off, and you're not going to want to mess with them anymore, or 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 appreciate what they've put into this world. Um, right. And I'm not I'm not I'm not really for that. Now, like I said earlier, for people like R. Kelly, yes, because you can't enjoy the art without thinking about the man. You know what I'm saying? And even mm-hmm. with Aaliyah's music, you can't think about her music without remembering his influence on it you know it's right. it's it's like every that whole thing goes hand in hand so yeah i i, I try my best to not like when, when people come out and say oh this person is married to that person or this person is is gay or this and I, I don't care the whole kevin spacey thing 
let me tell you something about that. Kevin Spacey, um, I honestly didn't become a huge fan of his until House of Cards. Um, mm. But when That's I saw House of show. Cards, say again? No, real good show. No, House beautiful. Like brilliant, brilliant. Um, but when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is, this is going to force me to go look at some of his earlier work. And it did. Um, but I thought House of Cards was probably his best, his best work. And mm-hmm. when all those accusations came out, it killed the art. <laughs> it really did. Because uh, the final season of House of Cards shouldn't even have been done without him, to be honest. Uh, that right. was absolute trash. Um, right. But at the same time, you can't think of, of, you can't watch those shows or his movies without thinking about the accusations. And it sucks. It does suck. It, it, right. it takes the fun out of it. So for me, I, I try to I try to separate them uh, as much as possible. If, if you can't, it, it, it's just it, that it is what it is. Um, like I don't listen to R. Kelly's music now. Um, even though I will say the the whole Mr. Biggs R. Kelly saga, I've I've listened to those songs a couple of times, but <laughs> that that was that was that was amazing. I, I those are right. phenomenal. Those are phenomenal songs, but for the most part, I don't I don't I don't listen to his music anymore um, because of that. So yeah, that, that's right. what I'll say about Bill Cosby. It's just I, I I can't I don't pay attention to to the man. Um, the art is just the art, and it was it was just as influence uh, just as much of an influence on our community as a lot of other things that that we that we praise. So right. can't knock it, you know. Well, the uh, video is uh, the Commonwealth versus Bill Cosby. Uh, the one-year anniversary of Bill Cosby's conviction. And okay. uh, the video is uh, from Nicole's Views. I checked it out uh, over the weekend, and it was pretty uh, pretty informative, man, You know, even though I was one of the ones that kept an eye on the Bill Cosby case and, and was, was, was one to really follow it, um, to hear her put the facts out, from beginning to end, really, uh, really helped me to, to I guess reassess it a little bit better. Um, okay. I definitely feel like he was railroaded. You know, like, it was a lot, a lot of facts in there. A couple of facts. I ain't gonna say a lot, but it was a couple of facts in there that did that did get my attention. That that I really either forgot or overlooked. That that the woman, uh, Constance. Uh, whatever her name is, I can't remember her last name, but uh, the woman that pretty much got Cosby convicted um, had already been paid like three million dollars. I think it's like three, three point thirty-eight million dollars or something like that. Um, the accuser previously, the accuser, yeah, she had because the, the case that really got him convicted had already been taken to court, and. Um, well, had been taken to just watch the video. I, I don't want to mix up mix up the facts of it. The video gives a real good, real good timeline of, of some of the stuff that happened with that case, and it just caused me to reassess it. You know, so I want to encourage uh, the society listening. You know, people listening if they're interested in just really getting a good, clear, concise synopsis 
of what happened to Bill Cosby, man, it, it, it's really, it's really kind of fucked up. And Nicole's using her video. Oh yeah, it was it was a hit job, man. You know, I think his wife. Matter of fact, I know his wife. Uh, at one point, referred to it as a lynching, and I totally agree with oh, that. Oh wow! You know, yeah, it was it was it was pretty it was pretty systematic how they did that. And um, Nicole, much respect to her. She's got a lot of good content. She, she's a real a real competent voice, uh, news voice, uh, information resource. Uh, for for different things going on, various issues going on in the black community. I know she was very diligent on on Michael Jackson's case and getting a lot of unknown facts and you know uh, you know just just bringing some clarity to the to the media cloud that that came out of out of that case uh, with Michael of, Jackson as well as as Bill Cosby. She's been real good at that. Real speaking, very very diligent. Speaking, speaking of Michael Jackson, did you watch that uh, that documentary on HBO? I didn't, um, but Nicole was was uh, was pretty was pretty good at putting people out and giving people uh, interview space to dispel some of the lies about it. And after watching that stuff, man, I just wasn't interested. That I just whole thing was a lie. That, that yeah, I, I heard it was pretty like sick, man. It was. Yeah, I heard it was pretty sick. It was. Yeah, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. But yeah, Nicole, she uh, she gave a very 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 competent platform very competent platform to the voices and the people who know the case and know the situation that we typically don't hear from okay. and uh, Cosby was one of those cases so yeah I just wanted to put that out there for for the people to check out uh, it's a video on the channel the channel is Nicole's View the video is the Commonwealth versus Bill Cosby the one year anniversary um, okay. Something else I came across, D, that that you know is right up my alley, uh, <laughs> dealing with uh, sex addiction, right? Well, check me <laughs> out, right? So uh, I didn't finish it. I want to finish it. I want to finish it. But there's a docu. Look, check it. There's a documentary on. Uh, I-, I found it on Amazon. I think it's a. I don't know who produced it, but there's a documentary um, out there. On JFK, and okay. it's dealing specifically with JFK. I think it's called JFK and his women, right? Oh, sad. and I caught about maybe the first twenty minutes of it. Uh, I had to go handle something else, so I wasn't able to to watch all of it. But it's uh, it's dealing specifically with you know JFK. And his, uh, his pretty much, it basically said he pretty much had a, a sex addiction. And it goes into how he, even earlier in, in his career, I believe when he was in the, in the Navy or the Army or wherever, how he was even involved with a spy of some, some, some woman who he had, uh, you know, had some romp with. And she ended up being a spy and how, how his... Uh, you know, sexual deviance almost led to us getting compromised. Is this some really crazy shit? It's some, it's some pretty interesting shit when it came to JFK. And I had always heard, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty pretty common knowledge now if you're any kind of student of history uh, that JFK was a philanderer, and you know, even with the whole Marilyn Monroe, which I didn't get a chance to see them go into her mm-hmm. origins and involvement in his life. But hell, it had covered like. I think like three or four women 
<laughs> already. Like this dude was Jesus. a serial. <laughs> yeah, this dude was a serial philanderer, man. Like he he, he was slinging a lot of cup as, as president <laughs> of the United States. But it, it just it seems it like just a lot made, of our a lot of our presidents have gone down that road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it pretty much comes with the office at at some point. Um, you know, historically, you see a lot of that, like you said, where presidents live these uh, these alternative sexual lives. But this one, this one really got my attention, you know. So, yeah, it's called JFK and His Women. I believe that's what it's called. So I came across that on Amazon. Really interesting stuff. So I'm, I, when pretty I finish, sure Rihanna's gonna want to watch that. Say what now? I said I'm pretty sure Rihanna's gonna want to watch that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, check it out, man. Check it out. It's 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 pretty interesting because I didn't finish it, but uh, without the little bit I did see, got my attention. It, it makes you really wonder where I was going with this by even putting that out there. It just makes you wonder, <laughs> you know, how. Well, I should say it makes you just kind of reflect on your own self disciplines and your own, you know, ability to to have self control and you know just. Just looking at how, when you step out uh, of of the bounds of what's typically okay sexually, mm-hmm. you know, which which is actually what I want to touch on with Uncle Buck. I know you're like, how the hell is that reflected in Uncle Buck? But I, <laughs> I, I even got, I saw I saw a little bit uh, of that in Uncle Buck. How these traditional uh, uh, lifestyles, you know, what I mean, the the life norms of one man and one woman and the family life, you know, how those traditional elements of society really play into, uh, does it benefit us? You know, does it benefit everybody? Does everybody really get something from that? If I'm, if I'm, if I'm making sense with that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the whole JFK thing, you know, him being a Catholic and him being an Irish and, you know, him having this whole aristocratic, and as a matter of fact, this is what the document we talked about that he had this whole aristocratic background, which entitled him in his mind, you know, according to his, even his dad was a philanderer. They said it's the whole aristocratic Irish background that he had was his, his, I want to say his culture. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's what he was. That's what (laughs) he knew. And you know, how, how much criticism can you point at somebody by them being themselves and living out what they are and living out and, and acting out, uh, the context in which they are comfortable in, you know what I mean? But we'll get into that, you know, later on, I'm sure, in in, in different conversations on this show. Most definitely. But, uh, yeah, that, that little documentary kind of sparked that in me to just be like, wow, you know, sex addiction. Is that what it, you know, is that what it is, really? Or maybe he, <laughs> is he just, maybe he's just living out, <laughs> or was just living out, uh, what he knew and what he saw, so... Anyway, one more thing I kind of want to touch on before we uh, chop up this movie. Okay. Uh, which I, which actually you crossed my mind, man. You and uh, David, who is another friend of the show, who I want to have on here at some point. Most uh, definitely. Because I know you and David are big Marvel guys. You know, y'all are big comic guys. Yes. Uh, me, I consider myself a Marvel and comic illiterate, so I have very <laughs> little to to offer when it comes to that, but I uh, I came across an article, you probably heard about this, I came across an article where Martin Scorsese had uh, 
some oh, pretty yeah. interesting things to say about about Marvel movies. Um, so yeah, I want to get kind of give you the floor on that because you're the, you're the Marvel enthusiast and that's more your lane than mine. But yeah, Martin Scorsese basically said that Marvel movies aren't cinema. He doesn't believe that they're they're cinema. He equates them more to something consistent with with theme parks. So, <laughs> what, what, you, what, what say you, man? I, he's wrong. I, I love <laughs> I love Scorsese. Um, I I mean, you can't say anything. Pretty much, you really can't say anything bad about him, uh, uh, art wise. Um, but he's dead wrong on this. I I I'm, I kind of wonder if um, when he said that he was more so kind of like in the mindset of being pissed that his movies haven't reached that level um in terms of of making that much money in the box office um that's that was just my initial well, he, thought he on said that cinema now, there's one thing that that i do agree with him on you know maybe i need to to step into the to the lane in which he was coming from a little bit uh, one thing he said that I agree with is that cinema, uh, which is just a big fancy word for movies, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. at the same time, cinema does have a a certain artistic, uh, you know, flair to it or aura to it that makes it a, a distinction from just a movie. I, I will say right. that. that's a little, that's a little snobbish and highbrow that, you know, some people may walk away with that. I get that. But there's a truth to that. That cinema has a different uh, approach. It has a different mindset uh, when you when you're talking about just making a movie. So one thing that he said is that cinema is supposed to articulate human emotions. It's supposed to depict you know interaction with human beings and and day to day life with with other people. I'm paraphrasing it, but that that's kind of where he he was coming from, and I agree with that. You don't get much of that from Marvel movies. You know, and well, much like he said, um, much like, you know, kind of, kind of, I guess, in agreement with what he said is when he was like, I was trying to give him a chance. So, I, you know, I watched a few of them and I was trying to give him a chance. I, I kind of identify with that. I, I have watched a couple of them, quite a few of them, actually. And you don't walk away with uh, the feeling that you really learned anything or uh, intellectually challenge yourself in any kind of capacity, at least in my opinion. Those movies don't take you in that direction. Uh, at least well, not at least not as far as I'm concerned. But go ahead. So, but that 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 kind of, that's kind of <sighs> Okay, so if if that's the case, does that mean that um, his definition of cinema is only for movies like The Godfather, or does that mean that mean that like The Matrix isn't included in something like that? Is it because it's in the in a different genre of storytelling? No, it, it's be, it's because of the nature of the source material. I think that's 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 where where he's coming so from. So it's the, okay for that, that inspiration to come from books. It, it's okay well, for that Marvel, inspiration to come from books, then, but not comics. Marvel is an engine which express which exists uh, primarily to make money. Most definitely, I would you agree with that. Yeah, 
I mean, if but if you're in business and you're not trying to make money, what are you in business for? Well, no, I agree with you. If you're gonna be in business, you gotta be you gotta exist to make money. You have to make money or you won't be in business. But when you're talking about a Marvel film, you're talking mm-hmm. about a film which exists purely to generate profit and secondarily to uh, provide some sense of recreation or entertainment or uh, amusement, more so. It's, and, and he equates it to a theme park, which I agree with. I agree with. Because nobody goes to a theme park to be intellectually stimulated. Nobody goes to a theme park with the expectation to learn anything or to feel anything you know you go you know specifically to be amused to be distracted from whatever mundane life you have to go back to a film should not can serve that purpose but it should not solely exist to serve that purpose if it does it's no longer cinema it's just a movie it's just a film which ultimately is an event which a lot of these marvel movies end up becoming events you know and, and i'm not knocking that you know don't get me wrong i'm not knocking that but it has its place, you know, it has its place. And I'm glad Scorsese said it. <laughs> um, I think that he has the weight to say it and the balls to say it uh, because but he's it an old man. Right. No, it doesn't, it doesn't make him, make him, right. him right. It's an opinion. No, I, I agree yeah. with you. Totally. It's an opinion. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a thought. I, um, I, here's, I, here's, tend, here's... I tend to agree with him in this particular vein when it comes to that opinion. That Marvel movies are taking up a lot of space in what is supposed to be designated for cinema, which I'm just gonna say, you know, pardon my 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 snobby demeanor, but <laughs> Marvel is taking the place of movies that should have a real space or real film, I should say. They're taking up some real valuable space when it comes to real movies. And so, people want to say, well, are you saying Marvel's not a real movie? Well, yeah, I guess I am. I'm saying Marvel movies are not real movies. <laughs> you know. I they, I'm I, not, they should exist. I'm not saying they shouldn't exist. Uh-huh. But they have to play their role. You know, they have to they have to play their serve their place. And their place is in an amusement park. Their place is, you know, uh, an amusement in an amusement setting. So what would you call Hugo then? A movie that Scorsese made. Isn't Hugo, the same thing? Well, I, I, I don't really, I've never even seen Hugo. Um, that's, oh, I, that's it, was, it was a beautiful movie, but it was more I about really, imagination. You know, it was, it was, it wasn't, that wasn't, see, I think, because to me, it feels more like he's, he's more so saying that it's not realistic. And, and realism versus, versus imagination and that's what it sounds like his argument is 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 coming from. So if that's the case, then Hugo would have to be like that, right? Would have to be categorized like that. Um, let's see I what wouldn't categorize Hugo as that um, because Hugo isn't isn't adapted. It. Well, I'll watch it, but I mean, I'm I'm familiar with the movie, and it was adapted from something. I don't know if it was a book or whatever, but he adapted it from something. And he brought a cinematic language to it as a filmmaker. That okay, is not so... where a lot of these Marvel movies come from. These Marvel movies come from whoever can take this character from this comic book and give him the most uh, visually entertaining setting to create this world in. You know, and let's do it where it would be, you know, attractive to 
make toys and put on McDonald's cups. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of intention associated with these Marvel movies that take it out of the cinema expression. Most definitely. Most definitely. But, but well, Hugo you're talking got none about of that. the marketing aspect like Hugo of it. got none of that. <clears throat> you're talking about more so the marketing aspect of it. Um, right, business. The business. Right, that's the, what the business the side that Marvel existed for. Right, business. yeah, that's that's the business side of 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 it. But there's, so, <clears throat> let me see, um, is is, in that in that sense, does that mean that the Dark Knight trilogy that Christopher Nolan directed, and produced, is that, more cinematic. Is that more of a more of a cinematic definition of a comic book movie then? I would I would say so. Okay, so you're saying the 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 way that the the way that a DP shoots a, a scene is is that is that is that the more because I'm I'm kind of confused. Is like is he talking about the the material itself, or is he talking about the way it's shot? Because it's if weird. that's the case, I look I see I see an artistic. Uh, 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 point of view in Marvel in almost every scene versus a, a movie like what he's talking about. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to go too deep into uh, defending Scorsese because I, 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 I don't really know fully the point he made. Um, okay. I disagree with a couple of points that I did come across. Um, okay. And that was that it's not cinema, and that there's a necess- there's a necessity for human emotions and human interaction to play a part in the story, in the visual narrative for it to be cinema. But you that's know, that, that's, that's in Marvel movies, though. The emotional uh, response is in a movie like that. It may not be okay. in every film, but like so, if if the emotional aspect is what was what is concerned about then that ha- that that goes from happiness to sadness to anger like it covers all of that right so if that's the case you find pretty much all of that in marvel okay like i, I think I, I, if, take, if that's I'll the case point then on that i'll take that point that on is that. definitely there <laughs> that is definitely there like spider-man um um uh, homecoming was that? I think that that was the first one. I think, yeah, Homecoming was the first one, and um, man, that was that was. It was funny. Uh, you 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 got you got a little concerned in certain areas, um, certain certain um, parts of the movie. Um, it was a, a thrill ride in certain aspects. Like, I think if you're going on an emotional roller coaster, if you want a a, a sheer if you want something like Shutter Island, then okay, you're not getting that emotional reaction in every act of the movie. But if you're talking about whether the emotional response is there or not, it's most definitely there. You have mm-hmm. you have people standing up and cheering and applauding for the for the, for the film when it's over, when credits are running. You know what I'm saying? Like like that excitement for what you just saw and what's to come when they tease the post-credit scenes, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
like you you get excited you get you you have anticipation that that is like oh my god what's what's about to happen next like like well yeah, i get that you know there, i, I get you on that D. I, I i just think that what he's really saying and i'm just going to interpret it from from my vantage point i think what he's really saying is that marvel movies are taking up a lot of space that much more serious movies should be taking up you know and, and if that's the case that is and, that and, is on the director and on the filmmaker for the other movies then because people need to be making more need to be making uh, a better point to be making better movies instead of just rehashing the same story from 20 years ago and, and making no making I, I agree with that to an extent like, i do think there's a lot of repeat uh a lot. copycat there's a lot, and they're making yeah. remakes of movies that that aren't even what fifteen years old. Sometimes, like you know, some movies don't need to be remade. You know, I know there's nothing new under the sun, but there's always a different angle to tell a different story on, and that's the part of it where it's on the it's it's the responsibility of the writers, it's the responsibility of the directors and the DPs, and the editors, to to make sure that that's what they're bringing to the table. So if that's if that's his criticism, he doesn't need to be shooting at Marvel for it. He needs to be shooting at these other filmmakers. Got you. I got you. That, well, that's that's, I mean, that's, what I, that's what I think. I got you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, um, they definitely have a right to exist. I don't. I don't totally crap on them. Uh, but I just don't get much from them. I, I, I will say that I don't I don't get much from them, other than just a, a, an entertainment experience. I, and you, you know, wouldn't that. if you didn't if you didn't read comics growing up, like it, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect people to 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 like dive in head first on 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 that material if they're if they're not aware of the backstory if they're not aware of the history of it it, it wouldn't I wouldn't I'm not shocked by that. You know, so Martin Scorsese is not someone that I ever expected to have read a comic book because of his perspective. Like that's that's fine, that's fine. Not everybody needs to be a, a Spider Man or Iron Man fan. Like, no, it's fine. I just I just don't think that that perspective is completely necessary. Like I I understand it, but. Let me not say not necessary. I don't think it's it's justifiable shooting at Marvel. Like I said a minute ago, it's not it's not. It's like he's almost like demonizing the genre almost, and trying to, you know, put it down, knock it down a couple of pegs. I I, I don't agree. I with didn't that. I didn't get that from. Uh, I guess I got I would probably need to read the article again. I didn't invest much attention into it. Um, but I didn't get that from it. I think that he was asked about it and just really tried to give his perspective and basically saying that he gave him an opportunity. You know, he gave him a shot. He tried to connect with it, but you know, he he walked away with the with the belief that it really was a cinema. Well, hey, look, there's uh, always room at DC. They're not, they're not yeah. making a big universe. Go ahead and go over there and do like what Christopher Nolan did, take on Superman. Make a trilogy. Yeah, you guys, y'all, y'all are pretty vicious, man. Y'all, y'all got your own damn mafia. 
uh, the the you comic book uh comic book <laughs> interviews. Y'all don't fuck around, man. You no, know, we don't. So I don't want to, I don't want to start off <laughs> anything over here uh with pissing off the comic book the comic book crowd. You know. Y'all are worse than that, that damn beehive that no, Beyonce no. got fucking not at all. You know, fuck. Not but at all. uh we're gonna go ahead and gear up to get into They've this careers. Uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna gear up to get into this Uncle Buck. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about Tyler Perry, man. I don't think we got time right now. We'll probably have to save it for for the next one. But uh, yeah, Tyler Perry just opened up his studio in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to get into that because there's a couple of things actually I came across. Uh, reading about that, that got my attention. Some comments that Will Smith and Whoopi Goldberg made, oh, um, okay. which were positive, yeah, positive stuff. But it just it just uh, opened up a conversation that okay. I wanted to have. But we'll save it for next week. Let's um, do that. Let's do that. Yeah, and I guess we can go ahead and use this opportunity to, to drop a trailer for Uncle Buck. So, okay. yeah, <laughs> our film discussion today coming up. 1989's Uncle Buck. Where do you live? The city. Do you have a house? Apartment. Owner rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? I'm your dad's brother, all right. Buck Russell had always been the black sheep of the family. I'm stunned that I'm related to you. Until one night. Buck, we have a problem with the kids. We're stuck for somebody to watch them. Oh, please, not that. Can we trust him? My brother, for God's sake. I won't let him get into that Satan stuff or any of the new chicks. I'll leave that for me. Wow. (laughs) I'm kidding, huh? Now, he's making them breakfast. Cigar? No, thanks. Making them lunch. And making them crazy. What did you do? He's irresistible. I want to ask you why I'm so attracted to you. I I wouldn't even guess at that. (laughs) He's unbelievable. I'm Anita Horgar. I'm Buck Melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. He's Would you just let John Candy give me, give me, give me. as Uncle Buck. What does he like to drink? I've been leaving the, the toilet seats up. <laughs> is that what the blue water is? It's not good for him, huh? Uncle Buck, the new comedy from John wow. Hughes. You have much more hair on your nose than my dad. Well, nice of you to notice. I'm a kid. That's my job. Coming soon to a theater near you. Uncle Buck. Uh, 1989 American comedy film directed by John Hughes starring the legendary uh, late great legendary John Candy uh, Amy Madigan Jean Louise uh, Kelly Gabby Hoffman and uh, a very early pre-Home Alone Macaulay Culkin also with a uh, very with a very very funny uh, hyper horny performance from <laughs> Laurie Metcalf, also known as uh, 
What was her name in Roseanne? I didn't even watch Roseanne. She wasn't uh, Aunt Becky, was she? I don't remember. I wasn't a big Roseanne fan either. I think Becky was the kid, though. So, Jackie, Aunt Jackie. Jackie, okay. Anyway, uh, this movie was brought to us by recommendation of Derek. Uh, Derek said that uh, you said that your your lady friend uh, turned you on to this movie, and y'all watched this together. So, just kind of give me a little background on, on what brought this movie up, and you know how'd you enjoy it, your thoughts on it. Well, actually, um, my girlfriend um, wanted me to uh, let me start over. Rihanna wanted me to uh, watch Uncle Buck like last year, two years ago. Um, sometime around like Christmas time or something like that, and I thought about it, and I say, you know, yeah, we we can watch it. I don't have a problem with it. And I was, we were actually watching uh, Home Alone, uh, and then she wanted to watch that, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, I knew I, I had seen it on some streaming service a while back, and then I went back to try to go see if it was on, but it was gone already. I couldn't remember if it was Netflix or Hulu or something like that, but regardless, it wasn't there. And I just I was just scrolling through like I was scrolling through stars like like a month ago, uh, probably a little over a month ago now, and saw it was on there. So I told her let's let's go ahead and check it out. And she had seen it already, but man, I was hooked on it from from the opening scene. I didn't realize. And you know what? I'm, let me say this: Macaulay Culkin. I don't think he gets as as, as much credit as he deserves as an actor. Um, I, I, she actually made me watch, wanted me to watch this movie called The Good Son, like a year ago, and I wanted to, pretty good I, movie. I really wanted to slap the hell out of that kid, because like, I didn't realize he was such a bastard in that movie. Like, yeah. he really is. And yeah, he was a going, motherfucker in that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and going going from that range to home uh home alone uh, uh series to um and and doing uncle buck before that like he was really good and, and i'm I, I it makes me kind of wonder like where like what happened in terms of him not doing comedy or anything like that now um i know he i know he kind of like got burnt out a little bit but um in more ways than one but I think that that it'd be nice to see him make a, a return. Um, cause Uncle Buck was hilarious, man. I I I laughed pretty much every time he was on 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 going on on the screen. It was it was good. I I um I hadn't seen. I think the only other movie I saw with uh, John Candy and it was um, Cool Runnings. Mm. So I'm not really like familiar with with his complete work. Man, life gone yeah. too soon. Like, like that. Like, yeah. You think of that, the stuff that he could have done, um, you know, over the past two, three decades. Like, man, that would have been that would have been great. That would have been great. And it, and it's, it sucks that 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 he's no longer around. Cause I thought that movie from beginning to end was just an instant. That was that was great comedy. 
and and instant classic in my mind that was that was a good movie um rihanna pointed out something though watching it uh she said that the 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 home the homes in that neighborhood uh with uncle buck looked very reminiscent to the ones in home alone mm-hmm. she looked it up come to find out it actually those two houses were actually in the same neighborhood oh wow yeah yeah so that that just goes to show you like you know just like location scouting and everything like that how how crazy that is um that two great movies like that were filmed in the same location i, I that was that was very interesting to me um yeah i love i love the the transformation and evolution of john candy's character uh, from from the beginning to the end he basically became a family man the man that uh, his his woman wanted him to be the entire time. I I would I loved that. I loved that. Um, uh, and he was an asshole too. I lo- I, I, I um. I I kind of I I think I I kind of vibe with assholes a little bit sometimes. Um. That was <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. All right, what were your thoughts on it though? Um. Uh, well. It was a good movie. You know, I typically don't like to open up, you know, my review just saying if it was good or bad, but, mm. you know, this was a good movie. Um, some of the things that stood out with me with it, I'll say, is that, you know, it, it was it was comedy. It was white bread comedy. You know, a little hokey yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But it, that's not bad, you know. Um, it's, it's consistent with the John Hughes, because uh, I'm, I'm not a, really a, a John Hughes enthusiast. I do know that he's done a lot of classic films. I think Breakfast Club uh, is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple of other films that have a classic category attached to them. Uh, one thing that's consistent with John Hughes films I've, I've discovered is that they, they normally take place in Chicago or in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that kind of explains why this film, which a lot of people would consider Uncle Buck, kind of a precursor to Home Alone. Um, yeah. And when I was looking into it, it actually says in the Wikipedia that the scene that inspired Home Alone was actually from this movie, when which Macaulay scene? Culkin was uh, the scene where Macaulay Culkin was looking through the uh, the mail slot talking to. Uh, <laughs> girlfriend, yeah, yeah, okay. that scene actually kind of opened up the idea for Home Alone, so that was that was pretty interesting to come across. But yeah, a uh, white bread movie, uh, definitely an interesting movie uh, for two black guys to open up the podcast with. Hey, you know, why which not? which shows you the diversity of where we're going with this with this uh, with this podcast. But I, I like I like the idea though. You know, I, I like the approach to to us discussing something, you know, a little bit out of the norm. You know, right. what I mean, for for black film, black film watchers. A uh, couple of couple of things I noticed in the movie because I mean, I like to watch movies like this because I watch anything, as I said mm-hmm. before. I, I watch pretty much anything, but one thing I like to do while I watch uh, films that are a little bit out of our cultural element is to see the differences, you know what I mean? To pick out the differences and the distinctions in this movie. Uh, or, in, or I should say in movies that we have in our, within our culture. 
And one thing that I noticed with this movie, which was funny, was that uh, um, the scene where Buck was in the washroom trying to get the, uh, the washer <laughs> to work or the dryer to work, and how uh, Laurie Metcalf's character, the neighbor, just you know knocks on the door and nobody answers. Oh, she just walks the fuck on in, you know, like little yeah. things like that. Which yeah, you, you get shot see. in our houses like that. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you really don't see that being a normal day to day thing, you know, where you just have a neighbor that can just walk in your damn house. And then on right. top of that, she's hearing what she assumed to be sexual assault going on. And mm-hmm. she <laughs> continues to walk in and uh, just, just, uh, just is persistent with, with knowing what's going on in these people's house. So See, that was funny, you know. That, that I have was a question funny. about that, though. Is that, because yeah. um, this film was shot in, you said, what, 80, 88? Uh, this movie was released, uh, is a 1989 comedy, yeah, released August 16th, 1989. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but, and I know this is the comedy and, and you know, no one's really thinking about stuff like this, but people are just walking into your house at that point in time. Um, that was around the whole Atlanta child murder murderers, right? <laughs> uh, no, that was a little earlier. I think the, the Atlanta child murders was a little earlier. That was like 81, I want to say. But 80, it was before 80. the movie was shot, though, right? That was before. This was, this was after. This was that was this was after the Atlanta child murder. So the movie was after was after that whole incident. So at that point yeah. in time, were people just walking into people's houses anymore like that? Because I know people used to do that way before Bro, that. That's what I was saying. From, I, I was born and raised in the hood, man. It was never an option for somebody just walking your house, right? Um, as right. A, a neighbor, anybody. Nobody ever had the option to just knock on your door and walk in your house. And just walk in. Uh, if, they, yeah. if they weren't invited in or they didn't get an answer. And, yeah. and and keep in mind, this woman walked in their house under the impression that somebody was getting raped or, or whatever was going on <laughs> yeah. in the laundry room. So, and that, that I'm, I'm going to tell you, though, that scene, since we're talking about it, that scene did drop one of the funniest damn lines because there's a couple of lines i actually wrote them down there's a couple of lines in this movie that just uh i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of sexual hypersexuality low-key hypersexuality yeah. in this movie yeah one of them comes from this scene when he's in there you know trying to bang the washing machine to work and she the neighbor just walks in right and as mm-hmm. she's walking in to the kitchen, headed towards the washroom where she thinks somebody's getting assaulted, we hear John Candy drop the line, I'll shove my load into you whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> like, that's, that's screenwriting for you there, man. You know? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it's funny how when you go back and watch movies um, that you may have watched as a kid um, or a teenager... And you didn't catch certain things, but when you go back later, you catch all the sexuality that's that's in a movie that's embedded in a movie that you yeah. just honestly just don't expect for it to be in certain in certain films, like uh, like The Lion King, for example. 
um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've already seen this before, where um, that scene where, where where Simba was was walking and then he passes out, and all these I don't know dust particles or whatever just fly into the air, and oh yeah yeah, there's a frame yeah. that that has it where it spells out sex. Yeah, I've um, seen it. Yeah, uh, the, the the cartoon Hey Arnold, uh, the grandfather. <laughs> if you if you uh if you look at him his head is actually shaped his head and chin create a dick and balls like it's 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 weird how everything is kind of like woven in but um it's kind of creepy as well like for 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 cartoons to do that and movies that are like uncle buck that are comedies that for the most part kind of family oriented um it's weird how that ties in with those with those films and going back further than starting right. to see today uh, that that is very interesting yeah and like i said i'm not a big uh, john hughes fan i haven't i haven't seen uh all of his movies but that that seems to be something consistent with john hughes uh movies is that he has a little bit of sexuality that some would even call risque sexuality so that you'll find in his movies this one <laughs> this one definitely <laughs> yeah well i mean i'm not gonna call john he was a freak i don't know <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not putting it out there like that but I, I i will say that this particular movie which is the first john hughes movie i've seen from beginning to end you know that i've really made an effort to watch i found a lot of you know a couple of you know couple of things in there that was that was a that was low-key hypersexual you know but yeah uh that was one scene i like you know i thought was one that was one of the best scenes you know the laurie metcalf scene when she went in there and thought that he was he was banging out somebody but he was really trying to bang the washing machine to to work and it just it is odd though you're a neighbor you walk into a home you wasn't invited to you you approach a, a room where you think something Foul is going on. She's peeking in there, and then you know what closes that little scene out. The dog licks her ass. Apparently, it looked like the dog <laughs> licked her ass or something when when she was bent over, peeping through the <laughs> the laundry room. It was it was a weird scene. You know, funny scene, pretty funny scene, a little weird. But uh, yeah. you know, these are things you notice when you when you don't come from that culture. You know, that's how they rock over there with that but uh <laughs> you know you know I, I i i thought it was a pretty funny movie um macaulay culkin you can definitely see the the beginning the makings of a star with uh with his performance in this one he also has one of the one of the best lines i feel that you're gonna find in the movie when uh buck and the kids were getting ready to leave and they were headed to the bowling alley i believe and the daughter who raises uh, a couple of questions I, I want to bring up with this movie. But the daughter uh, apparently was sitting by the window and she was getting ready to leave, but she thought she was getting ready to leave. And Macaulay Culkin comes down and sees her sitting by the window. And I think I wrote down what he said. What did he say? Uh, waiting for your sex. That's what he asked his sister. You know? <laughs> waiting for your sex? You know, it was, that, was, that was pretty funny. I, I like that. I like yeah. 
you know, Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin, yeah, man, definitely a talented kid. You brought him up uh, early. I think what messed Macaulay Culkin up, man, what really put a chill to his career was the Michael Jackson controversy. We talked about Mike earlier in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's popping back up again, but... Yeah, I believe that that Michael Jackson shit really had a negative impact on his career. And, you know, I also believe maybe he just kind of got fatigued and wanted to fall back because, I mean, his career was pretty much hot. I mean, yeah, I, I, I could believe the fatigue aspect. Yeah, I think one of his last hits was uh, Richie Rich. Yeah. He, he kind of went out on top. He really didn't get burned out or played out of the game, but he... Uh, he definitely took a took a hit with with that Michael Jackson controversy, and um, so you know, you think I, that he was kind of like blackballed. Type of shit. I don't think he was blackballed. I just think that he that 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 knocked the wind out of him. You know, okay. I, I, he lost a lot of desire to to really be that guy anymore. And I could be completely one hundred percent wrong about that, but from my observation. Um, I think he just burned out, man. I think he just wanted to kind of get away from what was looking to be a chaotic life. And if, not, if I'm not mistaken, because I have to go back and, and see or whoever was listening within society may be able to put some put some up, put put some out there. But I want to say he uh, had family issues. You know, maybe family problems with his money. His parents, issues. right? Yeah, with his parents. Yeah, I think I remember hearing also, that. You know, which yeah. is also the consistent with Hollywood child actors or child actors is their parents mm-hmm. end up, you know, uh, messing up a lot of their their financial dealings. So yeah, man, but he was he was he was pretty good in this movie. He was very good in this movie actually. He was he was one of the highlights of this movie. He was. Uh, but uh other than that, man, let me see what else did I what else did I record in this movie, man? One thing that I, I did re- uh, recognize that that I wanted to to, to kind of talk about because you know with with this whole platform with the the No Chase Film Society platform we discussed issues that are inspired by the films we watch or the films mm-hmm. that we love, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that I noticed with this movie was the female characterization. You know, the female characters, um, the daughter. Tia, the daughter mm-hmm. of Tia, which is the oldest daughter. Um, she was a bitch, man. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and I guess, I guess, I guess my my point in bringing that up is is would you what what is considered a bitch? You know, that's not a word that I like to use. All right, <laughs> not a word that I like to throw out there. Um, but at the same time, man, you know, you have to ask yourself: Do is there an aspect or is there a part of women? that take them into a bitch mode you know is there is there anything about women we can identify as bitches sometimes because the daughter was just unnecessarily a bitch in many cases <laughs> and then when you watch her mom and kind of get the vibe that her mom had in this movie you mm-hmm. see that she was a bitch too like she had bitch yeah. qualities too so yeah. you know anyway came from her right right so you know, it it just kind of made me made me think like, man, you know, I don't want to call her a bitch or look at her as a bitch and the, the character as a bitch, but 
you know, what do you interpret <laughs> some of these actions as, you know? So, uh, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that, man? I'm going to get at you. You know, do you feel that there's ever a reason to view a woman as, as, as a bitch? There are reasons, most definitely. Um, are, are there actions? I think there are, there are, I think a lot of actions make you think that. I had a, I had an ex that, um, I never, I've never, this is the only time I've ever called a woman that, um, uh, because I don't like that word in general either, but she and I were on the brink of breaking up and I was thinking about it, thinking about it. And she said something, you know, she used to say whatever she wanted to say about me. Um, and I would, I would correct her, but I wouldn't get too far out of hand. This one day she said something about my parents and my sister and when when you go after my loved ones to me that's when the gloves come off mm. and I, I that was the one and only time i think i've ever said that to a woman um and and uh you know called her that and i think there are times when there are actions that lead you to to interpret that a woman is one um maybe there are qualities in their personalities that uh that just dictate that I, I i don't know i don't know because mm. yeah you, you see the mom was like that you see the daughter the older daughter was like that but the youngest daughter was more like macaulay culkin you know she she mm -hmm. was more she was more um more relaxed and and just playful and maybe maybe she just you know has a couple more years before she gets to that to that level but Maybe it's just different qualities in people. Like, um, you, you know how, how you have some people that you, you see that, that are just stupid and that they just, just, something just about them just does not click and they just don't get it. Where, where, where you can tell them plenty of times, you know, this is going to happen, that's what's going to happen, and they're just going to do it anyway. I think that's just a part of who they are. <clears throat> so maybe that's just another aspect of it. That's just a personality trait. Um, right. Because I, I outside of that, I really don't see. I don't see how. And I, I've I've seen this before, where where um where a mother was was that way, and then her daughter wasn't. I I think there. I think there. It's just a certain certain aspects you 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 get from your parents because that's just you know that was your environment that you grew up in. Um, those are the type of people you grew up around. So there are certain things like like you can be a funny person because you grew up around people that were funny. Um, you can mm. be a serious person because you just grew up around people that were serious. You can be a studious person because you were you grew up around studious people. That aspect I can I can, I can follow you. Can yeah, follow. that that aspect is there, but then there's also that thing where it's just that's just who you are. I I have people in my family that no one in the, like other people in my family look at them and they're just like what the hell is wrong with you like none of us act like this and and here you are the outlier the black sheep you're you're just being you and that's just how you 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 characterize it I, so I'm thinking it's know, just more the, of a characteristic trait and the reality is uh, a woman will call a woman a bitch before a man will in, in Most many definitely. cases yeah um, 
So I I definitely believe that there are actions. I, I don't believe in the generalization of women being bitches, I, even though as a kid and even as a young adult, I did make the mistake of just referring to women as bitches just, just uh -huh. for GP. Like, oh, this bitch over there, hey, bitch over here, you know, in the ignorance. Uh -huh. And in a, in, a, in a different, unevolved place in my life. But, you know, as I mature, you know, I begin to look and understand that there are actions that come with certain people, particularly a woman or a man, because a man could be a bitch now as well, yes. as, as, as we all know. Yes. And there are certain, there's a certain character pattern. There's a certain body of, 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 of actions, like I said earlier, that make you this person. And uh -huh. when you are a woman or a man and you act out a certain character on a consistent basis, then that, that make you a bitch, then you've earned the title of a bitch, you know? Yes. And uh, I know the Uncle Buck is a weird movie to draw this kind of conversation. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just saying, you know, I, I watched this girl, uh, this, this particular character, Tia, the oldest daughter, and I just watched her be a, a blazing bitch through most of this movie. And then you look <laughs> yeah. at my mom who had this, uh, I don't want to say self-righteous, but she had this, um, just this snotty attitude about her, even when it mm -hmm. came down to Buck coming to mm -hmm. watch the kids, which he didn't ask them to do that shit. You know what I mean? He was he was pursued because they needed some help uh, mm -hmm. with And he also needed an excuse to get out of work. Right, right. He didn't want to go to work. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know about that. that. That's something else I wanted to kind of bring up later on, I guess, in the conversation. Is Buck really somebody that just didn't want to work, or is he somebody that wanted to work on his terms? I don't know. We'll get to that huh. in a second. That's interesting. As far as 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 far as Tia though, and the daughter and the mom, there was a, a similarity in how they dealt well in their in their personalities, which kind of was reflecting how they dealt with each other. Which I'm gathering from the movie, and this is something I might have missed in the movie: is did they move to this city in? I think I, I guess they live somewhere in Illinois. That mm -hmm. they I'm gathering they moved from their hometown to a new place. Uh, and left their father or whatever, their grandfather, who had a heart attack. I guess we should yeah. talk a little bit more about the movie that we're reviewing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Tia Russell, uh, Tia, the, the, the oldest daughter, her mother and father uh, lived in some city, uh, moved away from their home for, for a job, I believe it was, for a better way of life for the family. Mm -hmm. The mother's father, which is the grandfather of the kids, has a heart attack, so they have to leave and go look after him. Uh, but before they, but, but, but realizing that they don't have anybody to watch the kids, they reach out to John Candy's character, who is the title character, Uncle Buck, who comes to the family home, invited to look after the kids. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the mom, which is uh, Uncle Buck's uh, sister-in-law, his brother's wife, doesn't care for Buck, you know, doesn't right. care for Buck at all, looks down on him for uh, reasons that we kind of begin to pick up on. They, The movie tries to get us to believe uh, or portrays a Buck that doesn't want to work. Um, I guess he's a slacker a bit, you know, kind of a, kind of a, a boorish man of some sense, not very sophisticated. Mm -hmm. 
know, this is the character that, that we're introduced to. Uh, I guess my thing is, though, she was pretty shitty with Buck, even though it was her husband that asked him to come and watch right. these kids. Right. You know, you felt this way about him. You got these feelings about him. There's even a scene where he's, you know, looking through the wedding photos and discovers that his sister-in-law, his brother's wife, has literally folded his image, his his <laughs> his picture, out yeah. of the, the wedding photo. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we're giving this indication that that Buck is just uh, just an undesirable character, particularly to his sister-in-law, who she allows to come and watch her children for an undisclosed amount of time while mm -hmm. she's uh, while she's attending to her father's health. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, looking at all of that, like I said, going back to the whole bitch conversation, this kid was a striking character resemblance of her mom. And Very it's funny so. because you see that element clash with Buck, you know, with the kid, the, the oldest kid who was pretty rebellious and all that. Um, you see that personality clash, but at the same time, there's a camaraderie that's discovered between the two of them because they are related. That's his brother's kid. So they are related. That's 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 his niece. And there's a camaraderie found between the two of them because essentially they're the same fucking person. You know, right. they're, they're related. They're the same person. They, they want to do things on their own terms. They're very independent uh, minded, you know, pretty much. Um, I don't want to say just self-sufficient, but they're, they're individualistic in their thinking. That's what Buck is. That's what mm -hmm. his niece, uh, Tia, that's the kind of the vein she operates in. So that's that's what I found in the movie, that, you know, Tia's a bitch, her mama's a bitch, <laughs> and Buck, you know, clashed with that because, you know, he he's kind of he, he, he's kind of his own man. He wants to do his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And... I'm gonna be honest. I didn't think about the whole uh, work aspect. Um, I didn't think about it like that until you just said that a minute ago. Um, yeah, I mean, he said that. Uh, well, in, in in one part of the movie, I think he's he's when he's cussing out the youngest little girl because there's three kids. There's uh, Tia and Macaulay Culkin's uh, character, which is uh, Miles, mm -hmm. and then the other little girl, Mazzy, I believe her name is. Um, Gabby Hoffman, I believe her name is. Um, she he goes to her school, talks to a principal, and cusses the principal out. But during his rant against the principal, he says that he never went to college, doesn't have a job, and you know all this. But he seems to be proud of that. Like that, he seems to be pretty content with his life. That he's doing what he wants to do. He's pretty much a bum. He gets income, as we discovered later on in the movie, through racing. As a matter of fact, he's pretty, pretty nefarious in his gambling because he's actually going to fix a horse or some shit uh, yeah. at the race. So he's he's, he's kind of uh, got a grimy element to him. Oh, you know, Uncle Buck. Uh, you know, so he's making money. He's just doing it on a on a black off the scale. You know. Not necessarily black as in race, but just black, dark, a dark yeah. element that he uses to to make money. So he's an interesting he's an interesting character when it comes comes to that because it doesn't really it doesn't really go into 
what he does to make money because he doesn't want a regular job. But we take it that he's a guy that doesn't want to work a regular nine to five, wants to do things on his own terms. Uh, I guess the question that I that I would raise is, does that make him a fuck up? Is he a bum? I mean, these are decisions that he's made. We're going way deep with Uncle Buck too. I, I did we not. Are, think we, I didn't expect this, this conversation <laughs> for Uncle Buck. <laughs> <laughs> but way deep with Uncle Buck, man. <laughs> Shit. Shit. <laughs> yeah, but, I, uh, I didn't expect that. Um I think I think his his motives, um I think his uh not his motives, but his um his desires were 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 understandable. I think I think the route he was taking to achieve those goals just wasn't tangible. Because you see the, the the life he was living is just it's not it's not you know he yeah, wasn't he, he seemed to have a little bummy apartment uh, yeah. somewhere in Chicago I, I gathered that from the Chicago Cubs yeah uh, motif that we yeah. saw in his apartment so he seemed to have a little shitty apartment uh, busted car we can't we can't forget the car the car man with the with the, with the backfire. Uh, oh my yeah, he wasn't much. He, he wasn't much of a, a man of, of great means and ambition. But I, I got from the character that he pretty much did what the fuck he wanted to do. You know, that's the life he wanted. Now there yeah. is one scene, more of a rebel. Now, yeah, there is one scene that that is used to convey, I guess, his regret. I think he's talking to the dog, and this is uh, there. There's a scene where uh, the oldest daughter. What the fuck is her name again? Uh, Tia. Tia. Yeah, the oldest kid. Um, pretty much sabotaged something with his girlfriend. Uh, oh man, yeah. And, and and you know he's sitting there talking to the dog, and he's he's reminiscing to himself with the dog, how he was he was that guy. You know he didn't have any kids, and people you know used to big up him, big up him for being that guy with no kids and no real responsibility and not bogged down to a job, but he, he after he realizes that, he also realizes after all of that, that, you know, well, nobody's doing that anymore. Nobody's giving me that, that big up energy mm-hmm. no more. You know, I'm not, the, I'm not that guy anymore because of that. You know, nobody's saying that no more. So that was a, a, a sobering, sobering moment in the, in the movie that, that makes you look at, uh, I guess where I was talking earlier, the traditional status quo way of life. Right. Movie was trying to show us through through that scene uh, that he was starting to feel a sense of regret, uh, a sense of, of lack of accomplishment because mm-hmm. he didn't go about it the way, say, his brother did, you know, mm-hmm. where you know, he has the home, he has the wife, he has the dog, he has the kids. But you know, look at looking at it from another angle. Okay, yeah, your brother got the wife, he's got the kids, he's got the home, but you know, he doesn't really have means to hire a real babysitter to come in and give his kids the best quality supervision. So he's mm-hmm. having to depend on the irresponsible, uh, you know, unemployed asshole brother. Mm-hmm. So I guess what are we comparing here? You know, I, I think the movie wanted to try to send a message that, hey, you know, this is 
one way of life. This is one way of existing. You can be that guy that doesn't want to get married. You know, he that that's the character we're we're left with dealing with with Uncle Buck. Even in early in the scene when he's first talking to his girlfriend, and how he's resisting that, uh, you know, day to day way of life, that traditional way of life. He's pushing against the kid. He's pushing against marriage. You know, we mm-hmm. see that early in with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're getting back later on now into the film where. We're led to believe he's reassessing his life and maybe expressing some sense of regret. So the film wants us to to walk away with an idea that, hey, you know, there's nothing in that life. There's no there's no future in that where you have men out here. And I'm just just throwing it out there again. We're getting way deep for Uncle Buck. But you have (laughs) men out here who absolutely are comfortable with not being that guy with kids and, and being that guy with uh, no particular consistent woman in his life and kind of living day to day with the life and the career that he wants to have. You got men out here who want to live that life, but are criticized. You know, are criticized where women, on the other hand, can kind of make decisions with their life with a little bit more, uh, with a little bit more breathing room and less judgment. Yes. Um, Yes. That that's 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 something that this movie took me to as far as just my thought on yeah. what it was gonna convey to me. That this this film gave us a character who wanted to do things his way and live a long term that cool with him, but he was kind of portrayed to be a failure. This movie makes him look like an asshole, mm-hmm. you know, through through that. So yeah. Uh was, but overall How old was he in this movie? Do you did you ever catch that? That was something I kind of uh, never I, I missed on that. I didn't I didn't get I didn't get an age. Uh, no, nah, I, I didn't catch it. I'm gonna assume mid to late thirties though. I, I saw him as a man in his yeah. mid to late thirties. Yeah. You know, somebody that should be according to the film, somebody that should be um, a little bit more further off than he should, than than he was. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Even with yeah. the girlfriend, his girlfriend, I think her name was girlfriend, Shanice. Unless she was mid forties, early fifties. Yeah, she looked she looked pretty ran through in the movie. She but, looked rough. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, his girlfriend Shanice gave us the impression that he was a man that needed to be a lot further along and his sister in law looking at him, you know, and kinda gave us the impression that he was pretty irresponsible. So yeah, there there was a lot of there was a lot of judgment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of judgment. Yeah. Even the ending, you know, it, it, there's a couple other scenes in here that that I can point out. But even the ending gave us the the notion that okay, this is Buck, this is his lady Shanice, and he's come to his senses, and they're gonna get together, and now they're gonna leave and drive off and develop a life together. And thanks mm-hmm. to this experience he had watching these damn kids. He realizes this is really, really needs to do. He needs to buckle down and have more of a life uh, rooted in traditional marriage and family. Right. Right. And, you know. But speaking uh, of of Shanice, she also walked into that house uninvited, as well. Uh, she did. You talking about the scene when he was uh, when uh, Lori Metcalf was throwing that ass. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk about that. How she was hyper horny throughout this whole damn movie, man. Oh like, my she god. Was really, she was really on that team. Now that's that's sexual assault. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, she, she, she is pretty much a walk in the house. Yeah. Again, but you know, that's, that's John Hughes, white society, (laughs) you know, the, the world, (laughs) the world that he created where you can just walk into a motherfucker's house unannounced and just kind of look and observe them and whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which which it would be understandable if that was his house and that, that was his woman that's his house one thing that was his brother's house so you're going to a to someone's house that you've never even met and just opening right. a door up like right. yeah that that'd get you shot real fast I'm, i don't yeah. even that's not even cool yeah but uh but yeah i like uncle buck you know bringing a rap to this this particular episode um i liked it you know buck pulled weapons on horny teenagers you know he pulled a damn hatchet <laughs> on the kid so that, man that, that had fun. me crying man um laurie metcalf and and watching her sexuality on 10 throughout yeah. this movie that was, yeah. that was pretty, pretty good stuff pretty funny but yeah um yeah I, you know, if, if you if you're if if you're into if because you know a lot of black people don't don't fuck with movies like this, D. you know you got a lot of, of don't. a lot yeah. of black people who kind of keep it keep it simple and and keep it within a certain context of what they like, but yeah, you know you got a lot of brothers who uh, who grew up like me who who liked Home Alone. I liked Home Alone. Home Alone was a fun ass movie. Mm-hmm. You know, fuck it, judge me. I, I, it I enjoyed was. Home Alone. It was. So, so was Richie Rich. I was a big Richie Rich. Exactly. You know, I like yeah. Richie Rich. That's a fun movie too. Yeah. Um, so dope. if you if you like if you liked Home Alone, because I know a lot of a lot of black people have seen Home Alone. If you liked Home Alone, then I I would recommend Uncle Buck. I think you'll like Uncle Buck. What, uh, what would you rate it? Uh, I mean, I don't do ratings, man. I never really did ratings, but really. If, nah, I don't do ratings. But if I had to rate it, uh, I give it I give it three and a half. Three and a half stars. Three and a half stars. That's fair. Yeah, I give it three and a half. You know, it's it's white bread. Like I said, it's white bread comedy. It's it's a little hokey. Um, yeah. It's not drop drop fall on the floor hilarious, especially yeah. if you if you have a comedic palette for you know some people like Will Ferrell movies. That's that's a that's a comedic palette, and then you got those who deal in the with the Friday you know Friday level of comedy that you find in the Friday series of movies. Um, you will find none of that here in <laughs> Uncle Buck. Uh, not so at all. if you look at that kind of <laughs> if you're looking for that kind of comedic energy, you're not gonna get it. But this is a movie I would say this this is the type of movie you, you can watch with your mom. Really, yeah. you know. Even What's though even though we talked about, you know, a dog looking ass and you know and all that, <laughs> it's it's not that sexual. <laughs> <laughs> that dog did that 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 dog licked Laurie Metcalf's ass in this movie. I'm I don't I don't know no other way to take that scene. You know, but hey, check check it out. For hold yourself. on, hold on, hold on. Wait, what was going on in that scene again? <laughs> the scene where she walked in the house, man, and she walked up on Uncle Buck sexually assaulting that washing machine. She oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay. Yeah. Sexually assaulting the machine. That's the line with John Candy. I'm telling you, that's the classic line. I'll shove my load in you whether you like it or not. He said that yes. shit in this yes. in this movie. That was <laughs> a did. real line in this movie. He did. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I was more so distracted from that whole thing to remember the dog. 
Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, he I, was I see. banging I out the, he was banging the washing machine. She thought it was a, it was a rape or something going on. That's what she said, you know. Mm-hmm. And when she was walking up to the door to peek through the door, John Candy drops the line, I'll drop my load in you whether you like it or not, and there's a dog that appears to lick her butt in the movie. That that's what it looked like. You know, this was this was Uncle Buck. This was this was in the film. But um Considering that, um, I will say this is more of a family-oriented movie than, than some comedies. Yeah. You know, yeah. very tame, very white bread movie. You can catch it with the family. You know, mm-hmm. you can catch the family. Uh, yeah. The sexual innuendos are, are pretty low-key, so it's, it's yeah. uh, they're more it's disguised. Like you gonna find. Yeah, it's nothing yeah. like you're gonna find in the in the comedies that that really get a lot of attention today, which is a lot of Will Ferrell stuff or, you know, like I said, the traditional. Friday level of comedy. You're not going to find that here. So um, I, I recommend it for a chill movie with the family or you know something just light where you don't want to have to worry about nothing too dirty and too offensive. You know, John Hughes. It's, it's John Hughes, man. Yeah. You know, it's John Hughes. So, yeah, uh, check it out. The no Chase Film Society recommends it if you, if you want something clean and, and low-key to watch. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. What else, man? What else? I think that's it, man. I think that's, I think it, that's for, it. One. Yes, sir. I got one for you, though, man. I got one What's for up? you. It's, it's my pick. It's my pick now. So. Yep. Episode two, and uh, we're 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 uh, we're building up to episode one hundred. You know, we we want to do at least a hundred of these so we can be able to look back and see our progress. And, uh, and just kind of see what the body of work that we're creating with this. But yep. like I said earlier in the podcast, our intention is to have real life discussions and real life debates and uh, yeah, just this real life dialogue inspired by film discussion, film reviews, and just movies that that, that we like and love. So I don't know a better follow up to a movie like Uncle Buck than a film very much in its category, mm-hmm. which uh, I'm going to say is uh, very much, uh, very much consistent with what we saw in Uncle Buck. I'm being, I'm being, uh, I'm being funny when I say this, but no, uh, we're going to follow up Uncle Buck with the very likely movie Dolomite. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Rudy Rick yeah. Moore's black exploitation uh <laughs> classic <laughs> Dolomite movie. Um what what year did that movie come out? Let me let me give y'all some uh some actual facts on when that movie came out. I think we want to say seventy four Dolomite came out. We uh I'll tell you in a second. Yeah, that is definitely one I have not watched. Seventy-five. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people haven't, man. You know, you you you're still in the millennial in the millennial area, so a lot of millennials really yeah. ain't, ain't went that direction. But I think it's a fun movie for you to check out, especially since you haven't seen it before. I'm very curious on uh, what what you'll have to talk about when you uh, okay 
when you when you come back when we come back with it. But yeah, man, uh, that's my pick, man. We're gonna deal with Dolomite. Uh, okay. Our next episode 1975 American black exploitation crime film. That's one way to look at it. Okay. Uh, directed by Duraville Martin, uh, starring Rudy Ray Moore. And uh, I'll talk more about why I chose Dolomite okay. uh, next week when we review it. But yeah, man, that's that's episode two. So yes, sir. this one's out of, the, out of the way. One for the books. Episode one. Yes, Check sir. out Uncle Buck. Check out uh, a couple other movies that we, uh, a couple other things that we talked about on here, the JFK and his women documentary. You can find that on Netflix as well as uh, the movie or the docu-series Derek brought up uh, earlier, uh, The Family. You know, check that out. We're going to probably be chopping up about that next week. And other than that, man, you know, appreciate you. And yes, thank sir. you for the conversation, bro. Yes, sir. Good one. Really good one. All right. We'll see y'all soon, man. Peace.